And so, would you please welcome Grant McCarthy as he comes to bring the word this morning. Thank you, Dave. Yes, it is a privilege and an honor for me to be up here today. You know, the last time I spoke to an audience of anywhere near this size was in the Philippines. When I did that, I had a translator. There's two really good things about having a translator. All right. Uh, One of them is when you say a sentence, you have time to pause and wait and think of your next sentence. I suppose I could still do that today, but it might get a bit tedious to listen to. The second and even better thing was my translator at the time was Pastor Roger Salas. And if anyone knows him, they'll know that in his own right, he's a dynamic preacher, and especially in his own language to his home church. So I was quite nervous. I was standing up in front of this big crowd, and I was saying something, you know, just just quite ordinary, you know, like... um, Uh, God does not look at the outer appearance, but at the inward man. And I'd look, and Roger, I could see him looking back at me, thinking, how on earth am I going to make this interesting? (laughs) And then he would burst into this animated, impassioned speech, which suspiciously went on about six six times as long as mine. (laughs) And then the whole congregation would erupt in laughter and cheering and uh, and hanging on my every word, waiting for the next sentence. And, I, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I am a good preacher. <laughs> well, Roger isn't translating for me today. However, the good news is God's given me a great message for you. I'm sure you're going to be blessed and encouraged by it. Uh, If you'd like to open your Bibles at Romans chapter 2, verses 14 to 15. Uh, The title today, if you like titles and you like to write down titles, is Our Conscience and the Holy Spirit. So Romans 2, 14 and 15. These are quite tricky, uh, quite tricky verses. It says in mine, I'm reading NIV, so it might be slightly different. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience is also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing and even defending them. So we are born, we are born into this world uh, separate from God, into a fallen world, and yet we have his laws written on our heart. Now, if you look at the basic laws of God, like the Ten Commandments, what it's all really about is not hurting people, neither hurting them emotionally or physically or stealing from them or coveting things that are theirs. It's really about being nice to people. And we are born with that in our hearts, even though we're separated from God. If you look at a child when he's done something wrong or is even about to do something wrong, you can see it in his face or her face that they know they're going to do wrong and they're choosing to do wrong. They're willfully going against it. And if we choose in this world to continually go against 
those laws that are written in our heart, what's embedded in our conscience, then we can sear that conscience off. And often in cultures, in your cultural situation, that can change uh, completely by the culture that you're involved with and the teachings you receive. But we are born with God's law written in our heart. We do have a conscience. We have the basic knowledge of right from wrong when we are born. Now in the book of Acts, there was a man named Stephen, and he was being stoned to death. He'd been judged by the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders of the time. And as they were judging him, and they looked at him, they all saw he had the face of an angel. And yet here he was being stoned to death. And then as he was dying in the the blood and the pain and the dirt and this terrible way to die, the, the Bible says he had grace and power. And he even followed Christ to the end where he said, you know, forgive these people that are doing that. And he died there, you know, a, a great martyr for Jesus Christ. He dared to speak up to these Jewish leaders against him, and he died for his cause. And then there was this other young man who was witnessing it, a young man named Saul. And people were putting his clo- their clothes at his feet uh, while they went off and stoned. And as he was watching this, as he was witnessing it all and overseeing it all, the Bible says he saw that it was good. He approved of what was happening. And as he approved of that, you know, he thought it's even better he would go out and start put a stop to this Christianity altogether. When I read that, when I first read that, which wasn't that long ago, to be quite honest, I can remember that really impacting me. You know, and uh, I was like, you know, God's going to get this guy solved, because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I said, God's going to get this guy. You know, he's going to really sort him out. You know, like the American movies, there's always a real villain in there. And you know, some part in the movie, he's really going to get it. So I thought, oh yeah, God, I was waiting for him to get it. Well, he got it all right, but not quite in the manner I had imagined. <laughs> you know, this terrible young man, Saul, who was doing this to this beautiful man, Stephen, well, he actually goes on to become Paul, and not just Paul, but the Apostle Paul, who goes on to found the very churches around the known world, and much of his letters and writings to them make up a a good proportion of the New Testament today, which is quite amazing. But I want to go to another verse now. Um, It's in Acts 23.1. Acts chapter 23, verse 1. Now, this is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. He's changed his ways at this stage as much. And he himself, at this point, is standing in front of the Jewish Jewish leaders defending himself. And this is what he says. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty in God in all good conscience to this day. And uh, I think the New King James Version says, I have lived in all good conscience before God. Until this day. Now, isn't that amazing? You know, the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, he was persecuting. His, his one desire was to put a stop to the movement of Christ, the new way that God had set up in the world. And his one purpose was to stop that. And yet his conscience was clear. He didn't have Christ 
and his conscience was clear and he was going down exactly the opposite road to what God had planned in his life. You know, how many people in this world who don't know Christ are going in the direction exactly opposite to the plan that God's got for them? Do you know that's one of the great tragedies of this fallen world? And, uh, you know, Saul was on his way, still a young man, Saul, uh, and he got all authority from these Jewish leaders. And it said he was on his way to Damascus. He'd gained letters to, to um, find out names of people who had moved away, and he found people, uh, Christians who had moved to Damascus to try and escape him, and he was hunting them down. It said as he was on this road, he breathed murder. You know, he had a murderous heart against these people. And, it, you know, he's just so uh, um, focused and stopping this movement, which he believed was wrong. And then something changed. He had a dramatic encounter with Jesus Christ. There was a blinding light, a flashing light, and he fell terrified on the floor. And Christ said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, everything changed for him after that point. You know, you can't have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ and not change. It's just not possible. I had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ uh, probably about nine years ago, almost, almost to the day. And uh, it was nowhere near dramatic like Saul's or Paul's. I actually made a conscious decision, my computer logic brain, that uh, the way things I was doing, the way my life was going, uh, I, I'd had enough of it, actually. It wasn't going very well. And I wasn't in a very good place, so I made a conscious decision to come here and sneak up the back and find out what all this uh, Jesus Christ thing was about. And next thing I knew, I was down at the front, you know, hand popped up somehow, and I was down the front giving my heart and in front of 400 clapping, cheering people, which wasn't my plan at all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I remember making it, and I, I said this, this little prayer, and I meant it, honestly. I mean, it didn't feel spiritual. This was my, you know, my computer brain working again. But I had made a definite decision. It was from my heart that I wanted to try it a different way. I wanted to try it the way that Jesus Christ had for me. And I even went home, and that night I said that little prayer again just to reassure it. <laughs> and so, you know, I didn't think anything changed. I didn't feel any different. It wasn't a huge spiritual thing. But then so all of a sudden I, I noticed something had changed. And this is in the first week. I'd, I'd hardly read the Bible yet. I hadn't been baptized or, or, or baptized in the Holy Spirit. But something had changed. All, all of a sudden, all those thoughts that used to come into it, just pouring into my head, I just used to let them come in and dwell over them. I, I didn't like them anymore. And I, I had the ability to shut them out. I didn't want them anymore. I said, no, I don't want you. I'd never been able to do that before. You know, there's certain conversations with people I knew at the time were going on that I would normally have carried, joined in and, and, and mocked others and had fun, and I couldn't associate with it anymore. In fact, I found them a little bit offensive, although I didn't say so. I, I just couldn't stand it. And something had definitely changed. You know, I, I hadn't taken mind-altering drugs. This isn't the first week of making a logical decision. I, I, I hadn't had some was a frontal lobe lobotomy or something like they do, or, or being plugged up with electrodes to try and make me a nice person, you know, with electric shocks. I hadn't done any of that, but I had changed. So, and we all know 
what changes the Holy Spirit had come to dwell within me and I had a new enlightened conscience which had changed me. I'd like to look at uh, one more verse if we could. Ephesians uh, 1, 13 and 14. So it says in my version, NIV here, it says, Also you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to his praise and glory. Now I just love this. I just love this, you know. You hear the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, uh, you, you get mark of a seal, God's, you're now God's, and to, to put that deposit on your life, guaranteeing your inheritance, he's, given, he's deposited the Holy Spirit in your heart. You know, I love that. That's, that's God made the promise. You know, God the Father made that promise. He said that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. The Father made the promise. The Son, Jesus Christ, he purchased that. He purchased your eternal inheritance by his own lifeblood, by pouring it out. And the Holy Spirit is deposited in us to seal the deal. Now, I just love that. I love, I go into prisons and I talk about that. And I, I just, it enlightens me again because when I hear it again, and I get sometimes caught up in all the complexities of my walk with Christ, but if I go back to the basic salvation that I have a future no matter where I am in my life, I have a destiny with him. I have a destiny with a life in him and his household. And nothing, nothing can separate me from that. Nothing can take it. The Holy Spirit has sealed the deal. It is a done deal, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody can separate you from that. All the other parts of your walk, they're important. But that is the final done deal with the Holy Spirit. Don't you love that? I love that. <laughs> when uh, I go into the prison and I talk to men in very hard places, I talk about their salvation. And I, I actually demonstrate it. It's like they're going down this road. They want to turn away and go 180 degrees this way. No, walk away from that life. Walk away from the old way, a new way led by the Holy Spirit, enlightened with a new conscience. Now, <clears throat> Paul, he was the most dramatic example of that. Persecution of the, 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 anyone who even believed in Christ to an amazing turnaround. Within three days, he was, he was prayed for and set loose, and he was off. He was off. There wasn't an internship or an apprenticeship. He went from persecuting them to preaching for it and then the most dangerous places in the synagogue. And out he was. You know, they were all baffled. The Jews were completely baffled by that. And, uh, you know, I, I imagine the poor uh, disciples who were there at the time too. The, the new boy, the new intern, Saul, had come in, you know, and they'd be saying, well, where is, where is the new boy, Saul? Shouldn't he be making tea? It's nearly smoke you know? <laughs> Uh, there was no apprenticeship. He was already out forging the way. They were following in his footsteps. Absolutely dramatic. Absolutely. 
And then there's me. I had my way of walking. And I chose to go 180 degrees round, but somehow it didn't quite get to 180 degrees, about 98.5 or <laughs> something like that. You know, sometimes it's a bit hard. There's things have to be broken off my life. I wasn't quite as focused and as godly uh, and, as, and as knowledgeable as Paul was in his past, so I had to start reading the Bible and start to learn about God. I had to get water baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, so we're up to about 108 degrees here, but I'm still going. I'm working on it. You know, and uh, sometimes, sometimes we find uh, the Holy Spirit starts to expose things about ourselves that we've got to get rid of. You know, some of those parts of my old life I, I kind of quite liked, you know, but he starts one by one. He's very patient, but he starts to pick out, Grant, you're going to have to sort this little bit out, you know, if you're going to start getting onto the path that I have got truly, that God's truly got ordained for you. And there's a scripture um, in John 16, verses 7 and 8, uh, if you want to look it up, but uh, it's about Jesus talking about he's going to send a helper, a counselor to help us in our walk. And, um, and he says, this, this helper, this counselor, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. And that, world, that word convict is a Greek word, a Greek word, uh, el- elmco. It's a Greek word, Scottish pronunciation, elmco. <laughs> and then what it means, one of the main meanings of that is to bring to the light to expose to the light. Now, we all know that uh, things don't always look better in the true light of day. I know when I, I go into the bathroom first thing in the morning, you know, I don't like it too bright. <laughs> uh, you go into some of these hotels and they insist on having this array of spotlights that blaze down on you in front of the, from the bathroom mirror and all. And you, you go in and every flaw, every blemish, every hair is sticking up in the wrong place. It's actually staring right back at you in the mirror. And it's not always a pretty sight first thing in the morning. You don't always want to know that. I prefer my, my lighting in the bathroom slightly softer, you know. <laughs> Maybe side on, even, even, even a little bit behind, you know, slightly silhouetted. I, I reckon I look better slightly silhouetted, you know having a shave, not got my glasses on, slightly silhouetted, looking good, Grant, looking good. And if I'm looking good, I'm feeling good, I'm off down the road to meet people, you know, and I'm looking good. However, the truth remains. (laughs) And uh, I'm not really, it's like living in false pretenses, you know, and sometimes the Holy Spirit starts to reveal our true self, and it's quite hard. It's called learning to walk in the light. And, and sometimes we don't want to. We can, even some people try to shift back. There's no going all the way back. Somebody once told me it's like, you know, once the Holy Spirit's in you, it's like trying to make a cup, a pot of tea, and then separate the tea back out from the water. So the Holy Spirit's in you, but we hold on to those old ways and some of the new things that are revealed we don't quite like about ourselves. And it's hard. It's hard to do it sometimes. You know, like, like a teenager. You know, it's just too hard. I can't. Oh, no. 
Holy Spirit, don't make me do it. And then the Holy Spirit, just like you, would tell the teenager, well, no one else is going to do it for you, are they? And then we listen to that, and he, Jesus calls him the helper. He says the counselor. Now, a helper and a counselor doesn't come and actually do things for you. He comes and helps you and encourages you to do things. So if we get to this point, 108 degrees, and I have to sort something out in my life. But if I take a small step in actually doing it, my conscience is telling me I should get rid of this thing out of my life. I should change my way here. I have to take a little step of doing it. And then that gives the, the, the Holy Spirit time to come in and do his helping to actually help me shift this bit off my life. You know, my way, I don't want to do things. I don't want to do things my way. Do you ever remember that song, uh, my, I Did It My Way, Frank Sinatra sang it, you know, and he, he talks about doing life his way, you know, it's all about his way. He takes whatever comes at him and he chews it up and he, he spits it out, but he's done it his way. It didn't matter what happened or who got stomped on in the way, he did it his way, he did it my way, you know. And everybody at that time who thought there were anybody felt compelled to do a cover of that song. There was thousands of versions of all people singing my way. I did it my way. And then I look at my, them singing my way and I say, well, what, what have you achieved? To what end have you done my way? Where you're standing now, well, what's next? What have you actually achieved doing it my way? I remember my way was like an ever-decreasing spiral, a downward spiral to some pointless place of a, a little hope and future and despair. I didn't like it. I didn't like where I was going. There was no future in it. There was nothing after it. I want to choose a way, not my way. I want to choose a way led by the Holy Spirit, completely round away from the other way. I want to walk away. With I don't stomp over people or push them aside, but I actually pick them up and help them and encourage them on the way. I want to walk away, you know, that sees prisoners released from darkness, you know. I don't, want to, I don't want to see people chucked in prison. I want to see them released from prison. I want to walk away with the Holy Spirit, the fruits of which are love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. I want to walk that way. I don't want to get to the end and stand before God and he tests my, my achievements by fire and just stand looking at this circle of smoldering ash. I want to look at a place where there's an orphan that's been fed or a prisoner that's been released or somebody that's had their life turned around, you know, and God's going to say, well, you did well there, Grant. That's the life away. I'm going to make a hit single at the end of my life, and I'm going to say, I did it God's way. <laughs> oh, yes. I don't think the way I sing it's going to sell many, but I'm going to make it. <laughs> All right. Coming to the end. So we get around to this place, and uh, it gets hard. But, you know, which way is better, you know, Sometimes God's way is harder, but it's always better. You know, uh, what about Paul? Um, if you asked him which way was easier, you know, riding along into Damascus with all his men, the old Saul, the old way without Christ, with all authority to given, him, given to him by the leaders, charging down these, these Christians, how easy was that? He didn't have to do anything. Everyone did it for him. Just one word, snap of his fingers, and it was all done. The opposite way, God's way, 
persecution on his own, struggles, shipwrecks, beatings, all the way chained in prison, but he never stopped running the race. You might ask him which way was easier, but would you dare to ask him which way was better? Would you even dare to ask him? I can imagine the answer you'd get. There's no way he ever turned from that. He ran the race to the end, no matter what persecutions he faced. You know, we don't, we don't face it to that extreme. We don't. That was a, a Bible, a biblical example of the ultimate, you know, going 180 degrees. But it does have a path for each and every one of us. When we're not, without Christ, we're going away, uh, in, a, in a way, my way, that uh, doesn't achieve anything. But when we come to Christ, he has a path ordained for us and, and good, good work ordained for us. Help me, God, I've got good works to do. I need you, you know, and uh, a path that leads to, you know, a life with him, an eternal life in his house, the house of the Lord. And that's the way we choose. Yes, it gets hard, but we have someone with us. We have the Holy Spirit in us to help us. That's why he's here, our guarantee. It's not just to give us eternal life, but to give us life, this life, a full life, a life of abundance with Jesus Christ, doing it God's way. Our conscience shows areas of ourself which are difficult uh, to actually um, get over with some of our old self and to understand what he's trying to show us. Yes, it can be a struggle. And yes, this world does not want you to go down the path that God's on. So there's going to be opposition. But he who is in us is stronger than them that's in the world. Eh? We're going to make it to the end. We're going to get to the end and we're going to sing that song at the end. Amen. Could I have the musicians, please? You know, some people uh, come to church, I believe there may be one or two here today, that they, they feel that they've been separated from God. You know, they, they, they've given their heart at some stage in the past, and now they've come here, and, and they, they feel that God's abandoned them, or, or they've turned their back, he's not, he's not with them anymore. But I just wanted to let you know that he is with you. He never gives up. He's deposited the Holy Spirit in your heart, and uh, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Paul was convinced that neither life nor death nor um, uh, angels nor demons nor height nor depth nor any powers nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love uh, of God that's through Jesus Christ. And if Paul was convinced of that, I'm convinced of that. So if you feel you've been backsliding or going uh, and you've fallen away from God and he doesn't love you anymore, that's, that's a lie put in by this world. He loves you. He has, still has a path for you. Whatever angle you've reached, He still has improvement for you. And if you walk and don't resist the Holy Spirit, but try and do something and let Him come alongside and help you, then you're going to get down that road and do the good works that God has planned for you in advance. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray thanks for the privilege of being able to stand up here and talk to you and I pray you're all blessed and encouraged by it. There was just one more thing and I have to do this. I have to do this. If there's anyone here, all heads bowed and eyes closed. If there's anyone here who's never made that decision, that decision to, to leave their old way, to leave my way and go and do it God's way, to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. If there's anyone here who has never made that decision before, then we'd just like to say a prayer with you and, and help you 
to, to come to that place with Jesus Christ where he puts the Holy Spirit in you and you have a new walk, a new way, not alone, but with the, the Holy Spirit inside you. If you've never known Christ in your life or accepted him as your leader, please raise your hand now. If you, if you want to make that decision now, please raise your hand now. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else here? You feel the pressure on your heart. God bless you, sir. Feel the pressure on your heart to do it. That's the Holy Spirit. He wants in. He wants in. So what I'd like to do is, um, on the count of three, I'd like you to take a step of faith and just come down the front here. And um, we'd like to say a prayer all together and uh, accept Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life as the leader of your life. So on the count of three, everyone's going to stand and clap. And you take a step of faith and just walk down here so we can say a prayer with you. Amen. One, two, three. Yeah. What's your name? Gordon. What's your name? Gary. Gary. Gordon and Gary. We're just going to say a quick prayer. And everyone's going to repeat it. If you just repeat it after us, everyone's going to repeat it. Just say it from your heart. Say it from your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I know you died on the cross to save me from my sin. I know I have done wrong things in my life. But I now turn away from that life. I now accept you, Jesus, into my heart, into my life, as my leader and my saviour from this point on. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, everyone. Just hand me right.